38 tonight, verse number one. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Let me ask you before I go any further, is there any kind of other praise? I will praise thee with my whole heart. Is any kind of other praise acceptable? Imagine reading that verse. I praise thee with half my heart. I praise thee with almost all my heart. Can I say there's only one real kind of praise? It's wholehearted praise. He said, I'll praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing my or will I sing praise unto thee. In essence, David said, if you line up all the other ones, I'd sing above them to the one that's greater than all of them. He said, I'd let them sing, let them hear me sing to you, and I wouldn't say a word to them. Because they ain't worthy of our praise tonight. Can I can I say to you tonight, Buddha ain't helped nobody. Muhammad ain't helped nobody. Preacher, you can't say that. It's the truth. It's the truth. No, preacher, you're going to hurt their feelings. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to knock you off of Facebook. I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't care. I told somebody the other day, I said, we use it to make announcements. We use it to post sermons, but I ain't trying to build a social media church. Amen. God works through the local church. Amen. It works through the local body of believers tonight. And we thank the Lord for that. I have no idea how I got there. <laughs> Before the gods, I will sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple. I will praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Oh, now I know how I got there. <laughs> Them fellas ain't got no truth. Fellas ain't got no truth. Well, Buddha helped me. No, he didn't. Buddha's dead. Amen. Muhammad helped me. No, he's dead. Only the God of the Bible, only the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that is still alive tonight. And he's the only one that can really help anybody because dead people don't help anybody. Just a couple weeks ago, I told y'all we went down there to Washington, Georgia, and I, I stood over the grave of Brother Ian Bounds, uh, uh, that great preacher from years of old and who wrote great books about prayer, and I didn't hear a single word come from the grave. He didn't say, well, you're standing here, young man. Let me tell you some things about serving the Lord. No, Brother Ian Bounds is dead. But aren't you glad tonight that Jesus is alive? Well, I'm glad I can hear him speak through his word tonight. I will worship toward thy holy temple. I will praise thy name for loving kindness and for thy truth and for for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with thy strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of God. Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, forsake not the works of thine own hands. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, for this evening. Lord, thank you for church. Thank you, Lord, for instituting it. Lord, thank you for creating it. Thank you, Lord, for birthing it. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be a part of it. Oh, what a joy it is to worship together. God, to come together, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, provoke one another unto good works. God, to bless each other. 
and be a blessing one to another. Lord, we thank you for church tonight. Thank you for South Haven Baptist Church. Thank you for a place, God, that you've preserved, you've protected, you've kept going. Lord, it's not our ingenuity, God. It's not our, our keen ability that has kept the doors open here. It's the very blessings of God. Lord, you've done things that I cannot explain. Lord, I can barely comprehend, but yet, Lord, here we are sitting in the midst of them, rejoicing at the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Lord, we've watched you maintain and keep us where we are. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you'd help us to worship you. God, help us to praise your name. God, help us, Lord, not to become emotionless Christians or Christians that just go through the motions, check off a box, and rob you of real praise and rob you of real worship. Lord, help us to be like the psalmist tonight and the purpose in our heart to worship. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We pray, Lord, you'd work in our hearts and our lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you did this morning. But, Lord, thank you for having enough to do it again tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can't, we can't, Lord, exhaust your grace and your mercy. Lord, you've got more than we even know and can even think about tonight. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, there's verse number one, verse number two, there's a phrase that David says, and it's a phrase that Satan says in the book of Ezekiel, but when it's said in the proper context, in the proper way, it is one of the greatest things that you and I can do and what we can purpose to do in our hearts. Verse one, he said, I will praise the Lord. Verse number two, I will worship toward thy holy temple. And we understand in biblical days, in the days of David, that they would turn and they would face towards the temple. And that way, in essence, they knew that they were directing themselves in the right direction. That's why David says, I will look into the hills which cometh forth my strength. That's he was talking about the hill that the temple sat upon. He knew that, there, that, that, that his strength didn't come from his ability. His strength didn't come for his understanding. His strength came from the Lord. David, if it was in David's own power, if it was in David's own ability, David's story would have been real short because he would have died versus Goliath. Because on that paper and on, that, on, on the, the tail of the tape, that should have been a blowout. That should have been an easy win for Goliath. Aren't you glad when we fight in the Lord, we understand that we are not fighting the battle, but the Lord is fighting for us. God can take a stone and kill a giant. But notice here he said it twice, I will and I will. And once again, we found this pattern as we've been studying this thought of worship that praise always precedes worship. There is praise and then there's worship. We know tonight, we've covered it, they're not the same thing. If they were the same thing, then they would be the same thing. Praise is that outward expression, that lifting up of one's hands, the proclaiming of one's voice, saying, thank you, Lord, saying, bless your name. And he said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Notice tonight, the source of praise is not the mouth. The source of praise is not the hands. The source of praise is not standing upon one's feet. It is praise from the heart. A wholehearted praise tonight. We gotta ask ourselves, how often do we actually give the Lord that kind of praise? Wholehearted praise. But notice this in verse number two, he said, I will worship toward thy holy temple. I will worship the Lord. I wanna look at this thought of worship tonight along these lines, being determined to worship. 
being determined to worship. In essence, if I do anything today, I will worship the Lord. If I don't get anything else accomplished, if I don't do anything else of importance today, I will worship the Lord. Looking on this idea of being determined to worship, and I want to say this tonight, there's no such thing as the accidental Christian life. The accidental, what are you, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that you will not live the Christian life by accident. You'll not just get up one day, stumble over your feet, and all of a sudden you're praying. You won't just be going about your business and be like, how in the world did I start praying? I don't know how that happened. This is craziness. You don't accidentally pray. You don't accidentally read your Bible. Could you imagine that, how painful that would be? You get up in the morning, you're bumbling through the house, you stub your toe on the coffee table, fall down face first into the book of John. I said, before I knew it, preacher, I was reading my Bible. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how it happened, but I'm so glad that it did. You don't accidentally soul win. <laughs> you don't, hey, how are you? You want to get saved? <laughs> you know, you don't just accidentally stumble upon that. You don't just, it just come, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I, I, I mix up my words all the time, especially when I'm preaching, say things I, I, don't, I don't even know if they're even real words. But I've never accidentally strung together a sentence that gave a clear presentation of the gospel. It's always been a, a conscious choice. I'm going to share the gospel with these people. You don't accidentally read your Bible. You don't accidentally sow in. You don't accidentally praise the Lord. You don't accidentally say, amen. Oh, I didn't mean for that to come out. I'm sorry. <laughs> praise the Lord. I, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And you don't accidentally worship. David understood that. He said, I will worship the Lord. So many times we, we've dealt with this. So many times we come in to church and we come into a service or we, we get, go about our day and we think that everything's got to be just right in order for us to worship the Lord. Everything, the, the song's got to be that, that, it's got to be that song. It's got to be that message. It's got to be that verse. It's got to be that atmosphere. Now, thankful for the atmosphere that we have in here tonight, no doubt, thankful for the presence of God tonight. But can I say tonight, the music don't have to play. The singer don't have to hit the right note. None of that has to take place in order for me and you to worship the Lord. We ought to get up every day and say, today I will praise the Lord. I will worship the Lord. Every Christian should be determined to worship the Lord because of the following reasons. David gave us some reasons here tonight why he was going to worship the Lord and here's the thing, these reasons don't change. In essence, these reasons are never not going to be available. They're never not going to be reasons. There are always going to be reasons that as long as you and I live for now and for all of eternity, when we dwell on it, when we think about it, it ought, to, it ought to push our hearts and our minds to worshiping the Lord. And then tied in with the determination, I will worship the Lord. It'll change the way that we live. It'll change our hearts and our, our minds about certain things and the way that we, we, we go about our everyday life. Instead of just hoping to accidentally stumble upon a good service and stumble upon a, a good song and stumble upon something wonderful. Now, can I say tonight, now, there are times in the Christian life where you go out with the intentions to do one thing and then you find out God has another plan. God has a certain reason. God has a, a certain thing <laughs> 
You go to the store and you're just going there for groceries and God puts someone in your path. That's wonderful and that's great. And we thank the Lord for those things. But I wonder how many of those opportunities we miss because we're not looking for them. I wonder how many times we miss opportunities to worship God because we're not looking to worship him. We're looking to, to just get through the, the moment, get through the time, get on to the next thing. I'm going to give you three reasons that will help me and you to be determined to worship the Lord. Number one, I will worship the Lord because of his word. I will worship the Lord because of his word. Look at verse number two. He said, thou, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Well, if you got your Bible tonight, you might want to hold on to it. Because this right here is the greatest words that man has ever known. It's greater than the Constitution. It's greater than the Bill of Rights. It's greater than the next stimulus package. It's greater than debt forgiveness. It's greater than the newspaper. It's greater than, I don't care what it is, any other word outside of this pales in comparison to the word of God. God thinks so much above it. He said, here's my name and here's my word. I hold my word above my name. Now, we used to live in a society where men and ladies would keep their word. You don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to go to 45 papers of signatures and initials to say you're gonna pay it. If you said, I will pay it, then I'll pay it. Those days are far gone and, 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 and they, are, they are way behind in the mirror tonight. But thankfully, God is not that way. God has not changed his thoughts. God has not changed his mind concerning his word. He said, my word is still high above my name. And if it's above my name, you can guarantee I will keep it and I will abide by it and I will, I will hold myself to it. Can I say tonight, in reality, when God holds himself to his word, guess who benefits more? Me and you. Me and you because God and his righteousness and God and his holiness ought to have no place for sinners. Ought to have no place for those that fail him and those that falter. But God said, I hold my word above my name. If you can confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Why? He holds his word above his name. So in essence tonight, any promise that he's given tonight, you and I can claim and hold on to knowing that he will keep his word. I remember hearing it preached a few times and heard along these lines that you need to tell God to keep his word. You need to take the word of God and take it to God and tell, Lord, this is what you said and therefore I need you to keep it. Can I say tonight, whether you and I recognize what his word says in his complete entirety and his great truth, whether we realize it all or not, I'm glad he still keeps it anyways. <laughs> you don't have to go to him and say, Lord, I need you to keep your word because in essence, he already is keeping his word. What we probably need to do is to take God's word and say, Lord, here's what it says in your word. Lord, I know you can do that. I know that you're able to do it, but Lord, would you do it in a fashion that I might be able to see and recognize it? That way I can worship you give you glory for what I already know that you can do. He said the elevation of God's word, it's above his name. Can I say tonight, the fact that you and I possess in our very lives, if not one, if not multiple copies of the word of God, well, that ought to be enough to worship him tonight. Go to some of these countries where this doesn't exist. Or what they do have is just parcels and parts of it. Go to Albania where they got John and Romans in publication. 
and working on the rest of it. Brother Aaron Wilson's working on the rest of it, but it's a, it's a, it's a time-consuming process if it's done right. I'm taking it from the English language into Albanian. But notice here tonight, he said, I, it, we ought to worship God because his word is elevated. God holds it above his name. But not only for the elevation of God's word, but the amazement of God's word. Look at verse number five, or verse number four tonight. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And no doubt I think David's speaking somewhat prophetically there of that one day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm glad tonight the same word that'll make every knee bow is the same word and the same author that you and I hold in our hand. We ought to be amazed at the word of God tonight. This book ought to never get old to us. This book ought to never be something that we can do without and not bother us. This book ought to be, not be something that we can just set down somewhere and not pick it up for a whole week and not bother us. We ought not to be able to go a day without the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God tonight. Can I say tonight, when's the last time you went a whole day without a meal and it didn't bother you? <laughs> we live in America. If we miss lunch, we're about to die. <laughs> we sat around the house all the time. I'm starving, knowing good and well, I ain't starving. I'm just hungry. Now, I do believe that I'm gonna do my dead level best to never die of starvation. I'm going to eat multiple times in a day to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> but can I say tonight, when I miss a meal, it's noticeable. Now, you might not be able to notice it about me. Boy, I sure can feel it, though. <laughs> I love T.R.'s. A young man, a young boy, an old man trapped in a young boy's body. Sometimes I think he's 45 years old. I said, son, what you want for breakfast? He said, coffee. I said, son, you're not 40 years old raising three youngins trying to get to work on time. You could eat more than coffee for breakfast. But here's the thing. If I miss breakfast, if I miss a meal, things start to change. You may not notice it, but I get them shakes. I'm getting, 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 getting weak where I can't, I feel like I can't do nothing. And I haven't, it's just been a couple of hours since the last time I ate. But what is lacking in my life is noticeable. And here's the thing, not long before anybody else notices there's a lack of God's word in your life, you'll notice it before anybody else. But notice here tonight, we ought to worship God because his word is amazing. Look at verse number five. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of of God, all the kings of the earth praise and sing because of his word. Your worship elevates you to this position <laughs> that you are now equal with all the kings of the earth because you're worshiping God because of his word. Brings you equal too many worship a king instead of the word. Too many people are worshiping people and preachers and pastors when they ought to be worshiping the word of God. Here's the thing tonight, if I am your God, you are miserably sorry tonight. I will let you down in a heartbeat. Here's the thing, I won't want to let you down in the process of not wanting to let you down, I will let you down. Because I'm weak, I'm human, I'm just like you are. But tonight, this word will never, ever, ever let you down. Let me say it, I've tried it many times. I've tested it many times, and it's never once let me down. 
the promises of God have yet to fail me. And I don't think they're going to start tonight. Matter of fact, they're not going to start tonight. And when you wake up tomorrow, they won't start tomorrow either. God's word is faithful. And we ought to worship God because of his word. And then notice number two tonight, I will worship the Lord because of his work. I will worship the Lord because of his work. Look at verse number three. We see his rescuing work. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me. And strengthens me with strength in my soul. Notice this tonight. He said, I didn't need physical help. He said, I've got servants and, 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 and bondsmen and I've got soldiers and I've got family members. David said, I got the physical side taking care of things. He said, I had something greater than a physical need. He said, I needed help in my soul. I needed help in the, in the essence of who I am. I needed help in the, the seat of my emotions. I needed help with, with, with what I cannot do for myself. And I cried and the Lord heard me. How many remember the, what it was like when you tried to solve the spiritual problem with physical things? Whether it was alcohol, drugs, pornography, different things like that, you, you tried your best to take the worldly things, put them into your life, and to make it fix a spiritual problem. Let me ask you, did it work? Oh, no. Not even close. I like these youngins up here. They keep, no preacher, they don't work. That's exactly right. It don't work. It don't work. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you it does either. It don't work. But notice here tonight, David said, I needed help in my soul. I, needed, I had a greater need than what I could physically deal with myself. He said, in the day when I cried, thou answerest me. Not just that thou heard me. Can I say it would have been good enough that God could hear me, that God would give me the time of day, that God would stop everything he's doing to say, hey, he's talking to me. Let me hear him. I'm glad he answered. <laughs> I'm glad when you went to him and you said, Lord, would you save me? Lord, I believe that you died for me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've transgressed the law of God. Lord, I know that in my own self, I have gone against the word of God and the law of God. And Lord, I deserve to go to hell. But Lord, I believe that you died for me. You paid the price on Calvary. Lord, would you come in? Would you save my soul? Aren't you glad he answered? Oh, it, not, it might not have been an audible yes. He might not have rolled back heaven and said, for sure, I can do that. But I'm glad that Romans said, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He gave us the answer tonight when we cry unto him. All the kings of the earth, his rescuing work in verse number three tonight. In the days when I cry, thou answerest me and strengthen me with strength in my soul. He said, you gave me what I was actually looking for. You gave me what I needed. Not only his rescuing work, but notice his reviving work. We ought to worship God because of his work tonight. Look at verse number seven. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. I think David was living in 2022. <laughs> Though I walk in the midst of trouble, we're living in a day and age where if <laughs> there's a very thin line that we feel like if I, I gotta stay within this really thin line because anything outside of here is not safe. If I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, if I raise my kids a certain way, if I stand for a certain truth, if I reject a certain lie, it brings trouble into our life. Here's the thing, I think I read a statistic somewhere, to, somewhere along the time when I was reading statistics that most Christians believe the truth, 
But the reason why they don't proclaim it and boldly stand for it is because they're afraid of the oppression and that they're afraid of the reaction that's going to come towards them. Because we're living in the day of the cancel culture. We're living in the day where if you disagree, the mob is going to find you. And they're going to hunt you out and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to put you out in the open and bring out everything that you've ever done. And I understand tonight that's a, that's a scary thing. And it can be a fearful thing tonight, but can I say greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Just because somebody might not like it doesn't give me and you the right to say we ain't gonna say nothing about it. You don't have to go around being arrogant and being all that kind of stuff, but when it comes to truth, you ought to boldly stand for it because that's where God stands. And we see that tonight. David said, I, though I walk in the midst of trouble to the point where it's got me so discouraged. It's got me so downtrodden. He said, I'm down. I'm low. It's brought me to a low place. What's it saying in verse 7? Thou wilt revive me. Thou wilt revive me. There's trouble all around you. Can I say, trouble don't help. Trouble don't make you feel good. Trouble don't, don't, don't encourage you. Trouble don't strengthen you. Trouble troubles you. Trouble bothers you. Trouble burdens you. And the longer we're in it, the longer we're around it, it takes an effect on us. But I'm glad in the midst of trouble, there's a God who's willing to walk into the midst of all of it and say, I see that you're low down. I see that you're tired. I see that you're wore out. Let me pick you back up. Let me revive you. Let me put energy back into you. Let me put life back into you. Let me strengthen you one more time. That will stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of my enemies. In essence, that is the God taking his hand and putting it out and stopping it. We're in the middle of college football season. Y'all pray for Nebraska. They lost to Georgia Southern. Fired their head coach. There's always next year. We're only three games in. <laughs> but there is a, there's a move, and it's called a stiff arm. And that's when I, I was going to do it on one of the kids, but I don't want, I don't want them to have to go to the hospital. <laughs> that's where that runner, that receiver who has the ball takes his hand and stiff arms them and pushes them down to the ground. So they keep running. In essence, when God stretches forth his hand, it is God taking his hand and saying, yeah, you came far enough. You're not allowed to go any farther. This is my child. Back up and get away. I'm glad tonight because when God says it and God does that, they have to obey. They have to step back and say, well, there ain't nothing we can do with him. Ain't nothing we can do with them. I can't stop them. It's as if I'm trying everything I can and they just keep going. It's like I just can't get any further and closer to them. Thou will stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of my enemies. In thy right hand shall save me. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good picture. <laughs> I didn't know stiff arm was spiritual. He's stiff arm with one hand. What's he doing with his other hand? He's protecting the football. <laughs> Holding on to it tight. <laughs> you never watched football, you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know any other way to explain it. <laughs> Pushed his hand out, keeping the enemy at bay, but at the same time, he's holding tight to the football. That football's me and you. He's pushing it away, but at the same time, he's holding us tight. He's got us secured. How many are glad that God don't fumble? <laughs> Never fumbled once. He ain't gonna start now. But he holds tight to you. At the same time, he's defeating your enemies. He's saying, it's gonna be all right. I got you. You just stay right there. 
How many of you ever seen a football hold on to the football player? <laughs> no, the football player holds on to the football. Oh, preacher, I got to increase my faith. I got to be stronger. Preacher. I got to hold on to the Lord. Uh, you might just want to step back and let the Lord hold on to you. Because <laughs> you don't got to grip like the Lord does. We ought to worship one for his rescuing work, the fact that he saved us, but for his reviving work when we walk through trouble. He'll come in, push the enemy back, and hold on to us tight. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. They sing that song under the shadow of his wing, being close to him when all the world and all troubles just seemingly brushing around you and swirling around you. Boy, it's something just to nestle up close to God. And you can watch the storm, but you're not scared because you know whose you are. You know who's holding on to you. You watch his mighty hand work and change things. And you thank the Lord for it. We ought to worship the Lord because of his work. We ought to worship the Lord because of his word. Then notice number three tonight, we ought to worship God because of his will. Because we look at verse number six. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar. And I say the world has that backwards. Everybody wants to be around the proud. Everyone wants to be around the popular in the world. Who cares about the lowly? Who cares about those who can't do anything to improve my position, to improve, to improve my status, to improve my bank account, to improve all my popularity? If they can't help me out, I don't need to be around them. Give me somebody who's popular. Give me somebody who if they see me with them, it'll boost my status. That's how the world operates. God's the other way around. God is the king of kings and the Lord. There's nobody above God. He sits high and above everybody else. And yet he looks low. He has respect unto the lowly. He takes note and he takes observance of the lowly. But the proud, he's a far off. He's a far off. I like, you read that tonight and it reminds me that yes, he's afar off, but he hasn't forgotten them. He's waiting for them to come to themselves and realize they need him. I'm glad he didn't take the far off and just throw them away and say, I gave you a chance. I'm done with you. Get away from me. Can I say tonight, if you only had one opportunity to hear the gospel to get saved and respond to it, I'd have been lost and on my way to hell tonight. I heard the gospel multiple times. Knew the gospel, could share the gospel. I'm thankful one day I had to get rid of my pride. Oh, I was afar off. I was around God. I was around God's people. I was around God's word, but I was afar off. I'm thankful for the day the Lord broke my heart, showed me I was really a sinner that needed to be saved. I felt how low I really was. It's amazing. The lower I got, the closer he got. <laughs> I'm glad tonight, yes, he sits up high. But he doesn't just look low. He came low. The Bible said he made himself of no reputation. It's born of man, born of woman. He walked into a sin-cursed world to save people like me and you. We see his, his a conscious choice in verse number six. Yet, he hath respect unto the lowly. He made the choice. And his royalty and his 
holiness and his righteousness, he could have ruled from the throne of heaven with an iron staff and done all that and never gave us a chance. But yet he came low, became Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, was tempted in every way, Hebrews tells us, yet without sin. He's faced everything me and you will ever face on the victorious side of it. He experienced temptation, denial, rejection, pain, suffering. Just that way when he looks, he, it's not just, I hope you do better. I've been where you've been. And I'm willing to come to where you are so that I can help you. So it's a conscious choice. But notice his challenging concern in verse number eight. Yes, I'm thankful that he came down to where we were. He made that choice like we talked about this morning. Thank God for the gift, the giver, and the giving. Ain't that right, Brother Jordan? Amen. Amen. But notice this, verse number eight, there's a challenging concern. Verse number eight says, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. <laughs> I'm glad when God saved you, he didn't leave you there. We sing that song, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. It's a true statement. He's still working on me. I don't know about you. When God saved me, he got a lot to work on. Because <laughs> I still don't have it all figured out. <laughs> I still don't even know what, what questions I ask half the time. And yet he's still perfecting me and you. Now tonight when we look at the word, the, the Lord will perfect. There will never be a time this side of glory that we will have arrived. <laughs> Until we get to heaven, we are a work in progress. Right? He, well, what is he working us towards? He's trying to make us a better person? No. Is he trying to make us a, a, a more uh, productive citizen of society? Not quite. He's trying to make us like him. I think it was Michelangelo. They said, Michelangelo, how do you carve an elephant out of a giant thing? How do you see that? How do you make that big square piece of granite look like an elephant? He said, rather, it's quite simple. He said, I just knock off everything that doesn't look like an elephant. Sometimes that's what God's doing. He's knocking off everything that doesn't look like him. It doesn't sound like him. It doesn't talk like him. It doesn't live like him. And so you no longer need that. We are a work in progress. He said, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Then notice the next word, thy mercy, O Lord. I'm glad God is merciful. Because there's sometimes he's brought the chisel into my life. He's brought the scalpel, the word of God in my life. And I said, no, not right now. Lord, no, I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to go through that right now. Lord, now is not the time. Well, I'm glad he's merciful. I'm glad he doesn't say, oh, you don't want no more? Fine, then I'm done. You're on your own, big boy. But no, he's merciful to us. And he'll say, how about now? Would you let me work now? Would you let me do that now? Would you let me uh, sanctify you, grow you, help you, perfect you? Now, that word perfect means to bring to maturity. It means to bring to a finished state, so to speak, to, to complete, to, to, to become a mature Christian. Preacher, how do you become a mature Christian? Is it, is it being gung-ho? Is it being a great person of faith? No, it's allowing the, word, the Lord to work on you. And Lord, to take those things out of your life that don't need to be there. And tonight, I'm glad that he don't, he don't forsake you. But preacher, I feel like I feel like he, he's far away. I feel like he, he doesn't want to work on me. I feel like, Lord, or preacher, I feel like he's just done with me. Let me ask you now, are you basing your faith, are you basing it off of faith in the facts of the word of God or simply your feelings? Because our feelings will lie to us in a minute. 
Our feelings will lead us down the wrong way. <laughs> Disney said, follow your heart. Look what that got them. <laughs> Disney done gone crazy because they've been following their heart and it's desperately wicked. I'm glad you don't have to live by feelings. Now, I'm not saying you'll be an emotional robot or an unemotional robot, but you don't have to live by your feelings because there's some days I don't feel like doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't feel like being who I'm supposed to be. I want to go back and enjoy my flesh and God said, that's not who you are anymore. That's not what you're supposed to do. Don't live by your feelings, live by faith. He said, thy, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord. How much does he have? It endureth forever. <laughs> it endureth forever. The same mercy that we're rejoicing over tonight will rejoice over in heaven. Mercy ought to never get old to us because mercy never gets old. It endures forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Forsake not the works. David saying, Lord, don't leave me alone. Lord, don't cast me off somewhere. Lord, don't be done with me. Lord, don't throw me away. I'm glad tonight he never will. He never will tonight because we're his children. He's purchased us. He's redeemed us. and He'll continue to work on us. Let me ask you tonight, are you going to worship him? You're going to worship him because of his word. You're going to worship him because of his work. Or are you going to worship him because of his will tonight? Can I say tonight, we've got plenty of reasons to worship the Lord. The answer to the question is tonight, not the answer to the question is, are we determined to do so? Are we going to get up and say, I will worship? Or will we say, well, if it works out, if it happens this way, then I might worship the Lord. Can I say, get up and say, I will worship the Lord tonight? Let's